My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. Well, welcome to Our Sunday School. I am glad you are here. Um, I'm glad I'm here this morning. <laughs> I, uh, I'll do a quick update on, on the billion questions you may have, and then we'll get to the important stuff. So, uh, number one, yes, the surgery was successful. So the spine surgery was successful, which is very good. And uh, that will take somewhere between three and three and a half months for the spine, for the vertebrae to fuse together. So I am literally still fusing. It feels like there's a science joke in there somewhere, but I I just can't get there yet. Uh, It's a short fuse. There it is. Yes. All right. See, there was, thank you. This is, this is good. Um, No, I do not feel better yet. Uh, That will take upwards of six, nine, maybe even 12 months. Uh, Everything has to fuse and then the healing process begins. Uh, And no, we don't need anything at this time other than a whole lot of prayers. Um, We we did have a pretty good scare right after the surgery. Uh, Had spine surgery on April the 15th uh, and blood clots basically from uh, just above my hip all the way down to my ankle and my left leg. The, uh, the ER doctor said it, there, there were basically too many to count. It basically looked like one big blood clot. And uh, so they put me on heparin as fast as they could get it in me. And uh, once again, God just kind of showed out. And for the third time in my life, when I was presented with an opportunity to die within a few hours, I didn't. So praise the Lord. Um, so thank you for all of your prayers. Um, thank you to those of you that are in the medical profession that gave us good, sound, helpful advice. Um, you, probably everybody in the room has somebody that you know, either a family member or a, a close friend who is a nurse or a doctor, who when you have a question about something, you take a picture of it and send it to them and say, what do you think about this? Right? And if you don't have one of those people, you should, you should find one of those people because they're very helpful. <laughs> And uh, sent my, uh, my symptoms the morning of the, the blood clots got bad to our family friend. And for the first time in probably 50 communications with her about various medical things, uh, her response was, go to the ER. And that was scary. That was a wake you up, make you pay attention kind of a response. And uh, so we are, we are very grateful to God that um, not only do we live in a place with great medical care where things like this are just, oh yeah, we know how to do that. Um, But that we have friends and family and loved ones that uh, point us in the right direction and tell us truth when we need to hear it. Uh, Which may or may not be what we're going to talk about today. So, with all of that, uh, the thought did cross my mind that I had stood here for the last time already. And uh, as it turns out, I hadn't. So there's more to be said. So we're going to keep saying it. So let's keep going. I told you when we started, Mark, that God would either kill me or we would eventually finish one day. And he didn't a couple of weeks ago, so we're going to keep finishing. So we're in Mark chapter 2 this morning. And the question that we have been asking uh, over and over and over uh, as we go through 
is uh, what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Um, and, and what God has been doing for me through the portion of Mark we have studied so far is just been putting Jesus on display in a beautifully grand way that how amazing is Jesus, right, Ava? I mean, it's just how amazing is Jesus? It is utterly and completely beautiful. Um, and I need to say thanks to Dave Barber for teaching last week. Um, we actually, I had it in the plan uh, after we finished each chapter of Mark. And yes, we, we finished a chapter. I told you we would get there. Uh, after we finished each chapter of Mark to go back and review and make sure that we know how are we going to be doing this? What's our process that we go through? Uh, so Dave walked us through the, uh, we pray for help and understanding Mark, we hear Mark, we think about Mark, we talk with someone about Mark, we share insights about Mark, and then we invite members and non-members. So that's our process. I don't want us to forget uh, the approach that we're going to be taking as we go through. So just to quickly review Mark chapter 1, and then I'll read through Mark chapter 2. Uh, we're introduced to Jesus. Uh, John the Baptist uh, introduces us to Isaiah introduces us, John the Baptist introduces us, um, Jesus is baptized. Jesus is driven out into the wilderness and he's tempted. He begins his ministry by saying, uh, repent and believe in the gospel. Uh, he calls his first disciples from these fishermen. Uh, he heals a man with an unclean spirit. He, he heals others all around. He goes out and he preaches. Uh, and then a few weeks ago, we looked at Jesus cleanses a leper. And if you, if you remember, did the leper do what Jesus told him to do? No, he didn't. And I... I still, I just can't blame the guy. Sorry, I'm just, I'm sorry. I just, I have a hard time throwing rocks at him. He, dis, he was disobedient, but everything changed because of what Jesus did. So let's read uh, Mark chapter 2, if we would. And then we'll get into today's lesson. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together, so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could get near him, when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? 
And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, and the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. One Sabbath he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him? And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for the man, and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. So this morning as we start Mark chapter 2, I want to ask you a question. And I want you to open your Bibles and look back to Mark chapter 1 for the answer. Who have we been introduced so far to? Skip, can you come here and give me a hand for just a sec? Who have we been introduced to? We've been introduced to John the Baptist. Who else? Jesus. Skip's helping me sit down. Y'all, y'all look in the book. Thank you, sir. Yes, Appreciate sir. you, brother. That's good. Thank you. Who? Simon Peter and Andrew. There should be two more names that roll right off your tongue. James and John. There we go. Good. Who else? In chapter 2, yes. Levi. Zebedee. We met Zebedee, right? Simon's wife, his, his mother-in-law had the fever. What was her name? What was her name? Seriously. Look, look. A lot of no names. Thank you, Miss Amy. You picked up on that, didn't you? What was the, uh, what was the man with the unclean spirit's name in verse 21? What were the names of the people in verses 29 through 34 who had their diseases and demons cast out? What was the leper's name in verse 40? But who's the first character we're introduced to in Mark? Open book, verse 1. Oh, there we go. Don't ever guess about what's in the text. <laughs> Go look. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's just look at today's text in verse 1 of chapter 2. When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came. Who's they? Given the context of what you know about the, this Who's they? 
the four, right? And they came bringing to him a paralytic. What's a paralytic? Anybody know? Yeah, you just can't walk. Somebody's paralyzed, right? And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they <laughs> removed the roof, right? Which is, a, I mean, you got to give it to him. This is an incredibly ingenious, uh, creative approach to get somebody into a building. They removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed in which the paralytic lay. Now, many of you know that I have a couple of favorite passages of Scripture. One of them is uh, in Acts where the Apostle Paul is being hunted down and sought after in a city, and he has to get out. He has to get out. If he stays in the city, he's going to get captured. And if he gets captured, things are not going to go well. And uh, so they come up with a creative solution for getting him out of the city. Ms. Thesa, what is the creative solution for getting him out of the city? They put him in a basket, right? And this is the inter- you have to have your basket case joke right here, right? So... And, and they, they tied a rope around the basket, and there were people who were holding the rope, who lowered him over, and he gets away, right? And uh, some of you remember, we started it almost a decade ago, this on-again, off-again series, Bible characters you've probably never heard of. And we explored all sorts of people that were like way in the margin. I mean, you'd have made a hundred on every Bible test ever if you knew who these people were. Because these were the, like they're buried and scattered all over the place. And, And I finally came to the conclusion that there are way more people in the scripture who are not named than people who actually are named. And we have this beautiful term that's used several times in the scripture for them. And it's just the others. They're just... They're there, they're doing stuff, they accomplish things, it's really neat, but they're just the others. And, and the thing I love about verse 4 is that we don't know their names. But I promise you, wherever the gospel is preached and a copy of the gospel is left, people read about these four and they marvel. And they go, what beautiful friendship is that? It is absolutely stunning. So, so the question I have there on your handout, the top of page 50. By the way, it took 50 pages to get through chapter 1. <laughs> I don't think Microsoft Word will open the document by the time we get to the end of this series. So we'll see. Uh, is the average character in the Bible named or unnamed? And They're unnamed, right? They're just unnamed. And I, I think that we'll talk a little bit at the end of the lesson today about that, but I think that it speaks to us in very specific ways. So let's look at uh, verse 1 there on your, on your handout. So, and when he returned, when he came again to Capernaum, uh, so if you've got your map in the back, uh, we see that Capernaum, Capernaum is in the upper uh, purple area of Israel. And this is kind of Jesus' home base as we go through uh, the Gospel of Mark. Uh, he's going to come back here often. Uh, Mark actually refers to this as his home. Um, And I don't want to go, we'll talk a little bit about that when we get there in just a second, but make sure we know where we are. Uh, And when he returned to Capernaum, and the next two words I've highlighted there are some days uh, after some days. Now, now Mark is the guy that's the light on details. Mark is not going to give you six hours later this happened, and at two o'clock this happened. He's not going to do that. So some days later, and this is one of the problems that we have trying to figure out where Mark is in this three, three and a half year time period of, of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Uh, but some days later, 
uh, he comes, and it was reported. Now, if you, you see the word reported there, and there's a highlighted word, akuo, um, it, it's very, it, it means to hear. Uh, it happens 40 times in the Gospel of Mark. But it, it looks really similar to one of our English words. Is anybody akuo? Acoustic, yeah, acoustic, to hear, right? Um, so it was reported, it was, it was heard. If you had a translation other than the ESV, it might actually say it was heard. And what do we hear? Super simple question, what do we hear? Sounds, right? And uh, when they are formed into words, then we can then understand and comprehend. So people were talking about Jesus. And it was reported that he was at home. Now, um, some of you follow sports uh, very to, to a great deal. And some of you, when your favorite sports team has a coaching vacancy, you are aware that uh, some universities have private planes. And it has, it has happened before where there's a coaching vacancy and the tail number of private planes are tracked to see where the athletic director of a university is flying to, to try to figure out who that guy is talking to, to know who the next head coach is going to be. Like, it's just, it's mind-boggling to me, the amount of effort that goes into trying to find out tomorrow's news, right? Just, just relax a little bit. But people are talking. People want to know where Jesus is, because where he is, amazing things happen. So people are talking. And it was reported that he was at home. And I've highlighted the word home there because I don't want us to put too much into this. Um, I don't want us to read this like uh, Instagram or Pinterest. Um, you've probably heard some type of a flowery phrase, and some of us may even have them in, their, in our houses somewhere. Um, uh, uh, love makes a home, right? Like you can live in a house, but love makes a home. You understand where I'm going with this? Don't read too much into this. This word can also be translated house. This word can be translated uh, place where somebody sleeps. This word can be translated uh, a lot of different ways. It, it does not necessarily have the connotation of, oh, I'm home and everything's wonderful now. Right? That, that is not what we are talking about here. It, it might be. But it's not exclusively that. So I, I don't want you to think that Jesus had a home that he was always going back to, and that was his happy place, and that's where love was, and that's what made it home. Like, let's just roll that back just a little bit, okay? Just want to make sure. All right, so verse 2. And many, uh, pulos, many people were gathered together. Now, I love this word gathered together um, because it's passive. And when something's passive, it means it's being done to you. It doesn't mean you're actively doing it. So those of you that have a weak theology of the sovereignty of God, I would just direct you to Mark 2.2, uh, 2, uh, because God can gather together people as he wills, and it will be all right. Uh, Sean, I, and you and your family have been at Stewart Heights long enough. You remember that uh, our pastor Gary has had blood clots. Right? You've, heard, you've probably heard him tell this story. And he was in the hospital, and people would come to him in the hospital, and they would tell him stories about all the people that they knew that died from, from blood clots. 
And I want to say a personal thank you to everybody in this room because none of you did that. However, I did have uh, 30 minutes, 45 minutes before I went under for the blood clot surgery. The nurse that was prepping me for said surgery went into 10-minute dissertation. I timed it. There was a clock right behind her. I timed it. <laughs> I was still of sound mind and body at that time. 10 minutes describing to me the four different family members that she had that had uh, serious blood clot issues, two of which had died. Told me about their funerals. <laughs> so apparently I remained rather stoic through this. You know, you just can't freak out, right? And uh, she finishes her, I don't know what I want to call it. Um, yeah, her spiel. We'll, we'll be kind and call it that. And uh, she looks at me and she says, well, you're rather calm. And I said, there it is. There's the opening. <laughs> All right. <laughs> she said, why are you so calm? And I went, thank you, Jesus. Here we go. You just teed it up. <laughs> I said, I have an unshakable faith in the sovereignty of my God. You want me to tell you about that? She's like, yeah. I said, all right, let's talk. So we chatted for a few minutes. And she quit talking about those dang blood clot people. And that was good. <laughs> and then there was another nurse that came in the room later, and we'll talk about that later. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> And that may be it, right? I have no idea. And if it is, praise the Lord. So there's that. I promise you I listened more when I was uh, sick than I did when I was not sick. Um, so there's that. So verse 2, and many were gathered together. God gathered them. I used to worry a lot about uh, how many people were in Sunday school class and how we would get more people and uh, how, how, what we could do to creatively do this and that and then it just like dawned on me a few years ago that's not my job my job is to be faithful and to invite and to teach the word as it is said and not to put anything new in there and to challenge you to challenge me when you hear something that doesn't align with this and if you ever hear anything from that pulpit out there that doesn't align with what the text of the scripture says please 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 stand up and introduce yourself because we will all need it okay you are duly authorized if you hear heresy, you are authorized to stand up and challenge. So there's that. So uh, they were gathered together so that there was no more room. And when we hear the phrase, there was no more room in the Bible, where does your brain instantly go? Back to like the, the baby, sweet baby Jesus, right? Like this is not the adult Jesus. Well, the, the ironic thing here is that there was no room for him at his birth. And there was no room for anybody else during his ministry. It is, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, there was no room, not even at the door. So people were packed in there all the way to the door. And if you've ever been in a place with no air conditioning, where it is wall-to-wall -wall people, exactly, Miss Ava, you... You have so often the exact facial expression that I am thinking of. Miss Ava went... Like, I know, I like lots of deodorant, and I like air conditioning, and I like everybody else to have lots of deodorant, and be it, like, just, we're all going to be clean and dry, and this is good, and this was not the scenario here, right? This is no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching, 
and this is not the same word. This is laleo. Uh, this is not uh, caruso. This is not what John the Baptist and Jesus were doing back in Mark chapter 1. This is more of a talking and a dialoguing. Um, this is just a regular word for talking. And he was preaching or talking uh, the word to them. And they, these four, uh, came bringing. And this is a present active participle, repeatedly bringing. This was not a, they didn't attempt once. They attempted multiple times to get in. They didn't let the first no stop them. They tried to go through the door. Oh, can't get through the door. All right, we're going to bring him another way. I would think the next way might be a window. It just seems logical. The text doesn't say this. I don't want to tell you something that's not in the text, but I would think that you would try something on the same ground level first before you exploited, let's go three-dimensional. But they repeatedly uh, are bringing him, uh, bringing a paralytic. They carried. That word for carried is also in the passive because the paralytic couldn't do anything. And there are times when we just can't do anything and we have to be carried. And that's okay. They were carried by or hupo. The, the word means under. So they were, they were carrying him. And I don't know what your mental picture is here, but this was not, the mat was not up on their shoulders carrying him above them. They were carrying him under them. So he was... He must have been on some type of a rope or something that was extended down. He was lower than they were. They were carried him uh, under by four. And then your ESV adds a word that's not in the original text. And uh, Skip, can you help me again for a second? Thank you, sir. Some of you are familiar with the term of the two men called Aaron and Hur in the Old Testament. Uh, Skip is acting as my Aaron and Hur this morning, so... If you don't know who they are, you should Google them. It's, it's, it's a good thing. And uh, I, I picked my shirt this morning for a very specific reason. Because the word men is not in the text. It just says four. So as often as I can, and I do this in a variety of ways, one of which is having exceptionally gifted female teachers come and speak to us on a regular basis. As often as I can, I want to take out uh, a male assumption in the Scripture. So let's read it this way. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four. That's better. A little more biblical there. Now, I'm not of the opinion that you should scratch the word men out of your English Bible. I think that's an exceedingly dangerous approach. Um, but, uh, but the text doesn't actually say men. So. It probably goes back to the word... Yep. There's a lot of assumptions in this particular uh, text of the Scripture on the interpretation part. Verse 4, and when they could not, and I am so sad that Andrew is not here this morning, so I'm going to talk to Miss Colleen for just a second. Uh, So Miss Colleen, as you listen to this lesson, uh, ask Andrew what his favorite Greek word is. And Andrew will shout out as loud as Andrew can 
dunamis. Because dunamis is power, it's authority, it's uh, exercised ability to act in a way that is powerful. And I love that even these four friends had no power. They had no power to get near him. Who's the him? Jesus is the him, that's right. Because he's the only one that could help. Had no power to get near him because, and because is a goofy translation because it's the Greek word dia. It literally means through. They couldn't get near him through the crowd, which makes sense because the crowd was too dense. And if you're four people carrying somebody on basically a little cot, you, you need quite a bit of room, right? I mean, you're just not going to... That's one thing I remember about uh, the hospital says was when I'm laying on this gurney and they're wheeling me around all over the place, everybody's got to get out of the way, which is kind of neat because it's like, oh, I have priority. Uh, but, but everybody had to get out of the way. And it, and it's a, it was a, like, I, I don't imagine that the, the paralytic's bed was anywhere near the size of the gurney that I was on, but um, it takes a little bit of room. So they couldn't get near him because of the crowd. So they removed the roof. And I have highlighted a word after the word removed. Um, this is the only time in the New Testament this word is used. And it literally means to unroof. They unroofed the roof. And if I was going to give this lesson a title, it would be Unroofing the Roof. And I thought I was so cute. And it was just fantastic. And I googled that phrase. It was like 9,000 sermons on unroofing the roof. It's like, oh well, okay. So they unroofed the roof above him. Above who? Above Jesus. This is not the paralytic, because the paralytic's about to get up on the roof. Think about that from the paralytic's perspective for just a second. Like, put yourself in the bed. Yeah. Like, you, you have to be carried everywhere. When the last time you think it was, he was carried up on a roof. It literally may have been the highest he had ever been in a building. But boy, things are about to change. They removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, <laughs> I've heard probably a dozen different preachers describe this. I like Gary's the best. He talks about the dust kind of coming down on the, the crowd below him. And like he's like, what is... Because you'd be able to hear people walking around the roof. I mean, this is not... Uh, modern-day, industrial-grade, engineered buildings, right? I mean, these would have been cheaper materials that you would be able to hear a lot of things through. They made an opening. And this is not a small opening, right? Because you've got to get a guy on a cot down through the opening. So depending upon how you lower the person down, how much you want to freak them out... Like, you could get somebody on a really small... I'm looking at this, the ceiling tiles in this room. You could, you could get somebody through removing one ceiling tile. If you lowered them straight that, And you're going to give them a heart attack in the process, right? I, I would hope that they made like a larger... Everything goes down horizontal. Who knows, Right? But they made an opening. They did not let the roof stop them. They did not let the crowd at the door stop them. They did not let the crowd in the room stop them. They did not let the roof stop them. They let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Flip over to Mark 6.55 for just a second. 
Because I need you to understand that what Jesus does next is not a one-time thing. We'll start at 653. Uh, When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. That's hard to say. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever he was. Because when you do something amazing, people want to see you do it again. So these sick people all over the place got drug around because of this guy's friends. So let's talk for just a second about what an application of this might be. Well, one application might be uh, be a friend. Super simple, right? Friends are valuable. Be a friend. What do we do with that? Uh, One application, one point here might be um, healing is available. So what do we do with that? We get people to where the healer is. And the beautiful thing is that we have the opportunity every single day to do exactly what these four people did. To take the sick to the healer. To share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with dead people. Because the analogy is actually not strong enough. Because we like to think that that the unsaved are just sick or paralyzed. And the reality is they're dead. We have to be brought, each one of us, with help from friends who share the gospel, who bring us to places of truth where the healer is. So I want to share with you a quick song, and we'll see if this works. I think it will because Julie just got a text message, which is what the sound that you just heard a second ago was. This is Micah Tyler. I was the harlot sitting down by the well. I was the leper who was told not to tell. So paralyzed, I never had moved until four of my friends who wouldn't give in went and busted up the roof. I was the widow who gave up my last dime. I was the blind man with the mud in his eye. I was the woman on my two men. And as I cover my face, he uncovered his grace As a hearthstone's hit the sand Oh, nobody knew the troubles I've seen Nobody knew my shame Nobody knew the places I did I didn't know how to change He saw a hope that I did not see He saw a better way And the unbelievable thing about the story I tell Is that you don't even know my name the prodigal once lost but now found 
I like songs who are written by people who have actually read the Bible. Um, <laughs> I really do. So maybe the last application is my name's not as important. And what do we do with that? We bring our friends to the one whose name is important. Because while I don't know the name of the paralytic and I don't know the name of the four who carried him, I know the name of Jesus. And Jesus made all the difference. And we know Jesus. And we know how Jesus has made the difference in our lives. So let's go find our friends. Let's go bring them to Jesus. Because I promise you, life is short. I got reminded of that in the last couple of weeks. So with that, uh, two announcements, and then we will move into our prayer request time. Uh, one of the things that we are doing this year is we are actually getting together uh, more often and hanging out. And uh, one of the things that we're going to be doing in the next couple of weeks is on Friday, May the 24th, we're going to the Lookouts game. Now, that's Friday night, which means there's fireworks afterward. Uh, we have got this super crazy, ridiculous deal on tickets. It's two bucks a ticket. So, like, bring your whole dang family, right? I mean, that's pretty awesome. Can I say dang in Sunday school? I said it twice, so I guess I did. Uh, Thesa, wave at me, Thesa. Thesa is uh, organizing this particular event. We're going to put together a Facebook group event. I think I said that right. Uh, so you can accept there or you can email her. Uh, and we'll email this, con this information out uh, this afternoon to everybody as well. But uh, we'd love to have you come. Uh, if you've got friends that you want to have come, come on. That'd be great. We just need to know how many because like the special rate, you got to know because you got to know somebody and that kind of stuff. So. Uh, but I would encourage you to put on your calendars uh, May the 24th. The game starts at 7.15. Uh, so lookouts versus the Birmingham Barons. So we're going to get to beat up on Alabama, which is great. No groan? No groan? Nothing? All right, good. Excellent. I thought it was a good joke. You guys are making me doubt myself here this morning with the no laughs. You're just thinking I'm all going to keel over and die from blood clots or something, right? It'll be all right. What a better way to go. All right, so your weekly update is on your table. Julie says I should stop making death jokes, but uh, I'm just going to. So it's going to work. <laughs> she is wearing black. <laughs> that was funny. That's awesome. <laughs> I met Johnny Cash once. <laughs> uh, so your weekly update is on the table. So if you'll take a sec, lean in, engage, pray over those. Uh, write down any new ones if you would. Uh, I was humbled. Uh, I found, I got notified from uh, 11 different churches that are not ours that I was on their prayer request list, which is really pretty cool. So um, in the past, I have had a very, look, let's, let's just, you know, this is us. These are the people in our class. 
my philosophy on this is changing. Um, we need to pray for people. Let's pray for people. So uh, thank you for coming to Sunday School today. Thank you for engaging. Thank you for participating. Thank you for being here. I'm happy. And next week is what day? Do you remember? Mother's Day. So you've got a, a whole week to plan and prepare and to be aware of what's going on. And that means uh, Miss Amy is up. So uh, our last our only blank on your handout this morning is next week. We'll start with Mark 2, verse 4. 4. Going back to 4. I love it. I love it, I love it. Because I didn't do 4 very well, apparently. So we'll start with Mark 2, verse 4. And uh, with that, don't forget, you can go to OurSundaySchool.com and get all the resources. And uh, let's praise the table and you're dismissed. Thanks for coming to Sunday School today, guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.